Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. 1 Corinthians 1, 25. Y'all work with me. <laughs> Ain't nothing changed. <laughs> 1, 25, verse 25. You there? 1 Corinthians 1, verse 25. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. You say amen. So God has learned that it's easier to take ordinary and to hide greatness behind it than it is to bring greatness out of greatness. God said, it's easier for me to look at the common and the ordinary and hide greatness than it is for me to look for greatness in somebody who already thinks they're great. Because if greatness comes out of greatness, nobody praises the Lord. But when greatness comes out of common and greatness comes out of ordinary, everybody throws their hands up in the air and begins to praise God because they know it's not you. They know it's how big your God is. See, God says, I'm going to choose the foolish. I'm going to choose the weak. I'm going to choose the low. I'm going to choose those that's been overlooked, despised, and rejected. You're talking about a dream team. God says, I'm going to choose them. That's my candidate. That's who I'm, I'm voting for, the Lord says. See, if, if I gave you the task this morning of going out and creating your own dream team, what would you do? No doubt you would go out and you'd get the most likely to succeed, the most gifted, the most talented, the 4.0s, come on, those that's among the who's who, those were the most trophies and plaques in the wall, and those that's great at what they do and the success and the applause of men. That's how you and I do it. But see, that's not how God does it. See, I don't know if you realize it or not, but most of us in here didn't come from great educated families. Come on, somebody. Most of mine didn't have no degrees behind their name. We didn't have all that, but I tell you what we had. We had hard-working parents, and we had a God that was at the center of everything that we did. We had God, amen? So God can take the weak. He can take the foolish. He enjoys that. He takes the hurt, the rejected, the ostracized. He takes even the square peg and the round hole. And though the world overlooked you, the Lord picks you to be on his team. I said, that's who he is. See, I knew God was a healer. I knew he was a savior. I knew he was a deliverer. I knew he was a provider. But what I didn't know, that he was a miner. You know, God is in the mining business. It ain't just Kentucky. He's a great miner. Because the Bible says that you and I, this treasure, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That we realize that this power, this all-surpassing power, is not from us, but it's from God. So what I'm telling tell you, the treasure always arises, always comes in a bunch of dirt. And God is willing to just move your dirt out of your way all of your life because he sees the treasure in the dirt. 
God ain't afraid of your dirt. <laughs> Jesus ain't afraid of your dirt. He died for your dirt. He shed his blood for your dirt. And every time your dirt shows up, his grace shows up just a little bit higher. Come on. If your dirt shows up on level one, his grace shows up on level two. If it shows up on level three, he shows up on level four. Come on. If your dirt shows up on 1,025, then his grace going to show up at 1,026. Because that's how good he is. And his mercy is renewed fresh every morning towards you. He won't ever give up on you and me. You got to remember sometimes, see, God just doesn't use perfect people. He'd rather use imperfect people. Come on. He'd rather use those that God has given up on and overlooked and messed up and just failed him. He said, I can work with that right there because they got a broken heart and a contrite spirit. They're the ones I'm going to put my anointing on. That's them. That's the ones. You don't forget Noah got drunk. Come on, somebody. Abraham lied. Well, as Isaac lied, Jacob was a deceiver, Moses was a murderer, Rahab was a harlot, Gideon was full of fear, Samson had serious problems with lust and anger. Come on. Eli failed as a father. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Solomon married foreign wives. See, if this had been in the modern day church, we would have set them down and we would have banned them for the ministry. We would have banned them from the house of God ever holding a mic again. But see, our God is not like that. Man might give up on you, but God won't ever give up on you. Hey! Won't ever give up on you. He believes in you. You got to understand, man, he got some people in the Bible that, you know, God says, I'm going to release one and a half million. Uh, you know, some say three million of my uh, Israelites that's in bondage in Egypt. I'm going to release them. And you know what he does? He goes to the backside of a desert to get a man named Moses. Moses, 80 years old. I don't know if you know it or not, but Moses is an ex-con. Done killed a man and hit him in the dirt and on the run for 40 years to the backside of a desert. He's got a cane, y'all. He ain't got a cane because it looks good or stylish. He's got a cane because he's old and feeble. You know what? He stutters. Weak. And God says, come here. Come here. Come here. You're going to be my deliverer. I want you to go before Pharaoh, the greatest army on the earth, the greatest man. I want you to go stand before him and tell him, let my people go. See, God uses the weak things. He goes to Pharaoh. Can you see him? Pharaoh, you better let him go. God said, can you see Pharaoh? Next, security, get him out. That's how God does it. When God, God's going to use a man to go to Nineveh to preach against their rebellion, guess who he chooses? A man named Jonah. <laughs> a man full of rebellion. God had to beat rebellion out of him so he could go preach rebellion. And he, he, said, he gets there and he says, you bunch of rebellious, stiff-necked people. Can you imagine that? And him there with fish puke all over him. Seaweed around his neck. God been wrestling him the whole time. God's got to laugh at all this stuff. He'll use the most impossible candidate that you think is out there. Amen? What about 12 disciples? That's a bunch of ragtag guys if I've ever seen them. 
ill-tempered, lying, some of them cheating. I mean, my God, God picked his whole team of unlikely candidates, the most unlikely candidates, to be his team. See, that gives me hope this morning. I don't know about you. Amen. Hey, hey. See, David killed Goliath. Do you know that David went to kill Goliath? He, was, he went to deliver cheese. He down there delivering cheese. That's his mission. Take the cheese. Ends up killing a giant. See, that's how God does it. See, when Samuel the prophet came to Jesse's house and said, Jesse, I want you to gather all your sons. How much did David felt? When all of the other brothers got invited, but he didn't get invited. How much he felt? Well, Daddy said, the prophet's coming to the house. Get all the sons together. And David didn't get to go. How must he have felt? Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever been rejected, despised, and overlooked? But guess what? When Samuel the prophet had the oil in the air, he'd go by, and wherever the oil flowed, that was the one. You have to search it out in the Old Testament. But the oil, he'd go down. The oil wouldn't flow. The oil would just stay in the container. Why? Because it wasn't on the head yet it's supposed to be on. And it wasn't flowing. He said, Jesse, have you got any more? Well, I got one. He's ready. Now, he's, he's out there tending sheep. See, God, the one God picks, uh, he might be the one overlooked, but I can tell you something else. He's the one working the hardest, and he's busy. He's busy about doing what he's faithful in. He's faithful. to what, He's busy. God always chooses busy folks, hardworking people. So he gets David in the house, and guess what? When he gets David in the house and he holds oil, guess what happened? Oil began to flow. Oil began to flow all over his head. <laughs> Why? Because he's the one that the oil pushed to be on. And guess where he does it at? He does it in front of the brothers that rejected him. The ones that rejected him. He does it right in front of everybody that overlooked us and the one that rejected us and didn't receive our message. He, he, he didn't even accept him. He said, I'm going to pour the oil on you right in front of everybody. And you know what? I'm going to make all your brothers watch. I'm going to make all those that didn't even invite you, that thought you wasn't a part. I'm going to anoint you. I'm, I'm going to do it and bless you and multiply you right in the middle of your, who you are in front of all of them. And they got to sit there and watch it run down your collar, run down your clothes to the bottom of your shoes. That's a good God. My goodness, I felt the Lord there, John. Oh, you ever been rejected before? Am I talking to anybody in here this morning? You sit there and do it in front of everybody. See, you've got to understand, once this thing has been awakened on the inside of you by God, you won't ever be the same. And man can't turn it off because man didn't turn it on. God turned it on and it can't ever be turned off. Come on. Won't you just quit? I can't quit. It, it keeps me up at night. It, it, it's always messing with me. So you realize you have a greater purpose for why you've been put here on this earth. And the people we want to support us the most often is the people we get that hurts us the most. Why? Because they know all your mess. They know you outside the church. They know your faults, your failures. They know everything about you. See, it takes a mature person to look past all your dirt and realize there's still greatness on the inside of you.
Because see, God, what does he say? God says, I look in the vial and I extract the freshness. That's how he does it. He don't speak down to you and yell at you. He'll, get, he'll take the worst one. He'll speak to your potential. He'll speak to what he put in you before you ever got here to call it out of you. That's how good he is. See, the reason they don't believe in you because they done seen all your mess. But see, I want to surround myself with some folks that realize Junior D's ain't got it all going on. Junior D's got some issues. Junior D's, they some things he's strong at. They some things he's weak at. But you know what? They can look past all that. And they say, you know what? But his God's great. His God's huge. His God is big enough to cover up all them imperfections. Still use him for the kingdom and do something great. That's your God. Amen? That's how God is this morning. Am I talking to anybody here this morning realize that you got some issues and problems, but you realize that you still have a purpose? You still got a call down on the inside of you that God wants to let out to feed the multitudes. Fresh bread. Come on. See, this is foolish. Man, some of this God said, I take the foolish things. You realize how foolish it is for you and I to we'll go around speaking to things. Speak the thing. Speak the opposite of what's going on. Because he says, speak it. Speak to that mountain. You know how foolish that looks to people. You're a person saying, I'm blessed of the Lord, highly favored. You got a, hey, brother, you got a dollar for a Coca-Cola. And you're sitting there declaring you blessed. This crazy. You ever thought about it? I mean, we're sitting in a place worshiping a God whom we've never seen. Somebody looking out in the window. My God, what are they doing? The shoes off. They dancing, they yelling, they waving flags. Them people's going crazy. They've lost their mind. What are they doing? See, this looks foolishness to me and you. See, but see, we believe there's a realm realer than we can even see. That's more real than what we can see. And I'm convinced that what we're in is actually what come out of that realm, which is more realm than what we do know. I have believed, therefore I speak. I did have a word on Amanda. Dale, I still got it. 51 doctors trying to tell me. I don't think she's going to make it. Fell to one pound, 12 ounces. Don't look good. I say, ain't what the Lord said. Walk around my little boom box. Hear the word. Hear my word. We'd call at 3 o'clock every morning because when they wait them in the middle of the night to see if she gained an ounce. Best I can tell, she turned out pretty good, like her daddy. Amen? Hey, hey, you can get me later, baby. Woo. She said, Daddy, why don't you do that? All right, listen to me. I want to tell you something. There's greatness on the inside of every man, woman, boy, and girl in my voice today. God put greatness. He put destiny. He put one drop of divine purpose in you before you ever got to this world. Every one of you has got divine greatness on the inside of you. I don't care what you did, where you come from. I don't even care how you know that. I'm glad you asked. There's a difference in when you was created and when you was made. I want you to hear that this morning. There's a difference. See, I don't, I don't understand all this, and the Lord don't give all the details, but you had some form of existence before you ever got a body. See, made, 
means Adam, Adam, Adam. In Greek, that means mud man. So God took mud and he formed man. But this dirt, it's just a carcass until God breathed life into him. And he become a living being. See, the word made in heaven means to take from another substance. See, God made your body from dirt, and to dirt you will return your body, not I. Why don't see a fish going to return to water? Come on. Everything has an environment that it's going to return to because that's where it came from. You and I, our body goes to dirt, but the real me and you go back to God. Why? Because we came from God. We was with God before you ever got here and got a body. Stay with me. Some of you scratching your head. I don't know if that's true or not. See, I was created in Christ Jesus. That means to come from a no substance. I don't know if I existed in the heart of God or just the mind of God, but I was with God before we ever got here. See, before he said, let light be, he had created all of us in Christ. We were hidden in him. How you know that? Because in Jeremiah, he said, before you was even born, I knew you. Before you were born in your mother's womb, I done created you to be a prophet to the nations. Done set you apart. When did God do it? He did it in eternity back here before you ever got here. David said, before you was in your mother's womb, God knew you. See, God knew you intimately before you ever got here. That makes my head hurt. It's all right. Hey, a lot in here I don't understand, but I know it's true. My spirit jumps, even though my mind can't comprehend it. Come on. Romans 8 said, those that he foreknew, he predestined. Before you ever got here, to be conformed to his son. You gotta understand, Jesus on this side, here's eternity. Here's the line that you were born in the earth right here. This is eternity back. Jesus slain. When? Before, not 2,000 years ago, but before the foundations of the earth. It was already done. That's why when this thing happened in the natural, God didn't have to wrestle with if he was, if, if he was going to kill his son. He looked down through eternity. And he said, I'm willing to kill my son to have a relationship with that man or that woman. And he made the decision way back here before Jesus ever landed here. And we think he come up with a plan B. No, it was in his heart the whole time what he was going to do. Jesus in the garden, wrestling. See, you've got to understand, he had a choice. He knew what he was called to do, created to do. But man, when you're in the body, now you've got to walk this thing out. He had to make a choice. Do I do what my father sent me to do or do I go another way? Guess what he did? I'm going to do what my father did. I'm so glad he did that. you got to understand this morning that there's a difference. The Bible says what? Many are called. And few are what? Help me, somebody. Chosen. Many are called. You know when we were called? All of us was called on this side before we ever got to earth. 
We were called. We had divine purpose. We had it put in us, our DNA, divine destiny here. Many are called. All was called. But few are, cho few are chosen. You know what chosen means in the Greek? To accept it. We was all called back here with divine design. But few of us ex are willing to accept what he called and put in us before we ever got here. Many are called, but few are chosen. Last few minutes, I want to talk to you about the law of environment. Listen to me. There's greatness down on the inside of every man, woman, boy, girl here. Divine destiny, divine purpose. Everybody's got it. For that seed to come out of you, it has to be planted in the right environment. If you don't, it can never come to life. A seed in my hand has all the potential to be something great. But until I plant that seed in the dirt, in the environment, it'll never sprout and grow and be what it was created to be. Come on. You with me? God's got seed in every one of you this morning. Look at this real quick. Put Ruth up there. You got it? Look, look at this right here. I'm going somewhere. We'll be done. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech. The name of his wife was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Shilion uh, of Bethlehem, right? Judah. And they went to the country of Moab, and they remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. Now they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the others were Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. Then both Malon and Chilion also died, so the woman survived her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. I think that's it. All right, look here. I'll tell you the characters right quick of this story. It's important. We're going somewhere. Boaz in this story is a type of Christ, okay? Boaz's name means swift strength. I wish I had a board, I'd draw it out. But Boaz means swift strength. He's a type of Christ. Elimelech means God is my king, even though he didn't live up to that name. You ever knew anybody that didn't live up to their name? Come on. Naomi means pleasant one. Oprah means to turn back. Malon means sickly. Chilon means puny. Guess what Ruth means? Ruth means something worth seeing. Something worth seeing. See, every Boaz is looking for something worth seeing. See, all you, all you ladies, anybody know who Boaz is? You men might know, but these women know. Because Boaz is rich. Boaz is young. And Boaz is looking for a good woman. Come on. That's right. See, all the ladies know who Bo, Boaz is. The problem is, though, most of you women end up with Bozo. No, you know. No. I won't start meddling there. 
But you got to understand, in the book of Ruth, it's my favorite book in the Bible. There's only four chapters, but you get life. You get to see the beginning of a story, and you begin to see the end of a story. And see, in this story of Ruth, you get famine, you get death, you get disappointment, tragedy, poverty, false gods, religion, quitting, prosperity, miracles, good relationship, bad relationships. And in the end, you're going to see a God take a life and, and it end up exactly where he wanted it to be to start with. Anybody ever take a detour in here besides me? All you got to do, honey, you ain't got to go make up for lost time. All you got to do is step back in bounds, repent of a broken heart, and there's a GPS of heaven that still knows how to reconfigure my route and get me right back in down into what he had for me to start with when I stepped out. I ain't got to make my God. All I got to do is step right back in. God said, I got it from here, boys. I, I, you might not know which way to go, but I got some shortcuts for you. And what was going to take you one year, it's uh, going to take you a month. Now, what was going to take you 10 years might take you two months. Come on, somebody. God said, I still know how to get you there from wherever I brought you from. So GPS of heaven gives me hope every day. Amen? So I just want to tell you, if you had interviewed Ruth, there was some time in Ruth's life. Naomi, her husband died. Come on. The two boys died. She said, don't call me pleasant one. I'm better. But you know what happened? You know why they died? The Bible says that they left Bethlehem in Judah. Anybody know what Bethlehem means in the Bible? House of bread. What's another word for it? The word of God. What's Judah mean? Anytime you and I leave the word, anytime you and I leave praise, two vital components that God put in mind in your life to give us life from. Anytime we leave the word and anytime we leave praise, everything in mind in your life starts to die, honey. Because we was created to live and what feeds that thing on the inside of me is I got to have the Word of God. I got to have the Spirit of God. I've got to have praise in my life. See, what you don't understand is fish has an environment. Fish environment is water. God always created the environment before he put the fish in the water because the water is what gives the fish life. God has an environment. Plants have an environment. It's called dirt, soil. He created the dirt and soil, and he put the plant in there. Why? Because the nutrients and all to sustain life come from the dirt. The, the stars in the sky, the gases, everything is there. They needed to make them burn bright. Well, I come tell you, you and I have an environment, and our environment is God. God is our environment. That's what sustains life in you and I, gives us life. It's in the Word, and it's in praise. God, don't ever let us leave the Word, and don't ever let us leave the praise, because everything, your money will start dying. Your relationships will start dying. Everything around you will start dying. you got to feed it. got to feed that thing. See, there's some people in your life. They're not feeding what God has in you. Amen? You got to understand this morning. There's a lot of frustrated people this morning in the earth because they know they was born for something bigger than what they're seeing. You ever felt like this? I know there's greatness in me. 
Anybody believe there's you believe there's greatness in you? Put your hands on your belly. Say this with me. There is greatness down on me. See, that might feel some funny to you, but I don't, I don't, I don't. The more you do it, it'll become reality. There's greatness on the inside of me. Put there by my God. Divine destiny, divine purpose. Greatness. But see, a lot of people are so frustrated with what they got in them because it, it won't ever come out of them. You know why it won't ever come out of them? I submit to you, it's because they're in the wrong environment. And that environment they're in is not feeding that God thing that's in them. That's why these kids all go to the ramp and get awakened. What gets awakened? That thing that was in there before they ever got here when they was created. And that's the same thing they have to feed out of to feed it. You got to feed that thing. So we got we to gotta be in the right environment. See, Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus was in Judah. Jesus ain't in Moab. Jesus in Judah. Boaz in Judah. They said, we're leaving Moab the way we've been living and all this death going on in our life and circumstances, and we're going back to Bethlehem. We're going back to the house of God where there's a word and there's a praise going on. And there's life and provision again. See, I don't know if you know it, but Boaz was there the whole time. Boaz owns the whole field. Boaz is Jesus. Come on, somebody. They left Boaz. They didn't have to leave Boaz and go to Moab, them God-forsaken people, and death and famine and all that. Everything starts dying. They didn't have to do that. That's how church folks do. We got, we got access to Boaz in the room. Come on. Some people leave Bethlehem, the house of bread in Judah, because they got problems, and instead of asking for the Boaz in the house to help them, they're going to leave and go down to Moab. It takes usually about 18 to 24 months when these people leave us because they had it all going on in here. And then they, I'm going to try to fulfill my desires and help myself in my own ways. And you leave worship. You leave the Word. And it takes about 24 months, but here they come again. Why? Because Boaz in Judah. You never had to lead to start with, honey. You just had to ask for help. Just had to ask for help. You got an environment this morning. You got an environment. See, the Word offends you. I'm going back to the Word. The Word is live and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. See, when I pray the word, I put the word on it. Ain't something going to happen, honey. Something is happening. Every time I praise, something is happening. Not going to happen. Is happening. There's a bulldozer on the back of that mountain moving a load of dirt out every time I put the word on it. I might not see it, but honey, on the other side, there's a whole lot going on. A full lot of things go whoop. Put the word on it. Word is alive, powerful, Sharp, not something going to happen. When I pray, something is happening, honey. Things are shifting. Things are moving. Ain't going to be no thermometer on the wall to check the temperature and take whatever comes my way. God said be a thermostat and go in there and change the thermostat. Change the dial. Speak your word right up into that mess and see everything change. See, that word ain't always going to agree with mine in your lifestyle. That word ain't always going to agree with mine in your uh, attitude. It ain't always going to agree with what we got going on. But you know what? 
We got to line up with the word. And we're going to speak the word right up into my mess. And we're going to speak the word right up into your mess. And then just watch God around his word perform the word. And the word change you. Amen. Need the word. It's word and it's praise. Judah. Man. Can't nobody help you but Jesus. Jesus in Judah. Praise. He said, Judah, your hand will always be on the what? The neck of your enemies. See, what I don't understand, God has put the answer in mine and your mouth, the weapon to bring down a whole lot of stuff going on that me and you's in. We waiting on God. He waiting on us with praise. Amen? You remember Paul and Silas in prison? What was it? Midnight. Midnight. What's midnight mean? Midnight means the ending of one season, the finishing of one season, the ending of one day, and the start of a brand new day. And right in the middle, come on, midnight, mid, middle. That jailer's job was to keep them in the prison, the jail. Don't let them out before their time. So I'm going to tell you something. The devil has a different timetable on your circumstances that you're in than God does. Because here they are. The jailer wasn't going to let them out. He didn't see them getting released that night. But see, your praise is so powerful that right at midnight, right in the middle of what you're going through, the ending of one season and the beginning of one new, right in the middle of your mess, when it's the hardest, their backs were beaten. Come on. It was dark. They had roaches and rats. They was locked, bound, hand and foot in the inner cell. They didn't have bathrooms back then, y'all. They just had all that around them. The smell of that. They in a hard place, and they buffed off praising God. If we can't get people to praise God, come on. In four-inch padded seats where they see blowing, hard as it can blow. But see... They praised God right in the middle of what they were going through. And when they praised him for, right in the middle, guess what? It changed the time. Because the devil intended them to stay there a lot longer. Sometimes what you're going in is lasting a lot longer than what God intended for it to do. And the answer and the, the weapon is in your mouth, in your praise, to break the back of the enemy. That there's an earthquake, a great shaking, that all the doors is going to fly open. It's up to you and your praise. I might be 49 and look foolish, but I still got a praise down in me, honey. I can't sing a lick, but the Lord loves my singing. I can't dance, but he loves my dancing. And when Junior gets to believing in him and speaking the word of God, things are moving, things are shifting, things are changing. And all I got to be like Ruth. Ruth says, wherever you go, I'm a going. Your people going to be my people. I'm a leaving Moab and this God forsaken country where I've been living because everything been dying. I'm leaving. I've seen something different on that family. I've seen something different about you. You've lost your husband and two kids and you still praise God. I'm a going with you. I'm a king. Wherever you go, I'm going to go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you're buried, I'll be buried. She forsook it all. And it says that she just happened to find herself in Boaz's field. 
Can I tell you, when you go out and give your heart to God, no matter where you go, you're in Boaz field. See, my job is just to show up, go out. Bible says it turned out. Boaz come in here and say, who is that? That's that Moabitess. She left everything to come here. You know what he does? She's out there gleaning in the fields. Not even know where she's at, picking up leftovers. See, church had leftovers a long time. Just eating what used to be. Just eating some crumbs, trying to get excited about what used to be. Come on. Boaz comes in there. Boaz said, come here. I want you to stay in this field. You stay here. Don't go to another field because you're in the right field. You found the place now. You stay here. You stay in this presence. You stay in this atmosphere. He says, I've told the men not to touch you. He protected her. He said, I've told them to give you cold water when you need a drink. There's your provision. He's providing for it now. He, and at noontime, Boaz is eating lunch, and guess what he says? Hey, Ruth, come here. See, here's what you don't understand. She was back here. She's back here gleaning. She don't even know where she was. You're just out there in your daily lives, just working, doing the best you can. The Bible says that Boaz noticed Ruth. See, your father, when you give him your heart, no matter where you at, your God notices you. He notices you wherever you're at. And at lunch, he said, Ruth, come here. She used to glean. She used to be living on hand-me-downs and leftovers. But now, guess what? He says, sit down. Sit down with us and eat. And the Bible says she ate, had some left over, and was fully satisfied. See, I used to be back here gleaning, didn't have nothing. But I came to God and started walking with Him. And just somehow in my normal life, just me walking, being faithful, the Lord, now He calls me up and says, hey, don't stay back there. Come on up here with me. Don't glean. Don't just eat enough to get by. Now I got more than enough to eat. I want you to eat till you're fully satisfied, and I want you to have some left over to take back to your house. Next thing you know, he marries her right in front of everybody. It all started out with her making a right decision. I'm going back to the, the Word. I'm going back to praise. Because that's my environment that's going to feed this God thing in me. You better watch who you're talking to on the phone. If they're not feeding that thing in you, I'll be careful. You need people around you feeding that God thing in you. You got to have people feeding it. Because when they feed it, it jumps in you, becomes alive in you. I submit to you, all of you's got greatness on the inside of you. You don't know what I've done or where I've been. I don't care. God put it there in you before you ever got to earth. And in atmospheres like this, when we're doing the Word and we're praising, just going after God, in that environment, you feel your baby jumping. Anybody with me? You ever heard something with your head, you didn't understand it, but your baby was jumping, you're like, I don't understand that, but I know that's God. It's jumping in here.
That's God. Feed that thing. Feed it. Amen.